Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week with Senior Pastor Chris Monahan. For more resources, go to www.igateway.org. Anybody here grateful for God's Word? I always say God's Word is like the ground wire. It keeps us grounded. How many have ever been shocked before when something wasn't grounded right? You know, and it's like for us as the church, the Bible is our ground wire. The Spirit of God is our power. And so we want to empower you. That means we have to be, we don't want to electrocute you, right? We want to empower you by the Spirit. And when the church gets off of the Word of God, we become, we're not empowering people, we're electrocuting people. It's called bad doctrine right there. And so this morning we're going to continue our talk on hope. Let's, let's say this together. Hope happens here. Hope All right, let's all say it together. Hope happens here. And one of the goals, we were told that we were supposed to pursue faith, hope, and love. And hope is, is the meat in the sandwich. Hope is a joyful expectation of good. A joyful, confident expectation of good being on its way. We have to be the people who have hope in our society. What happens is, is the person who has the most hope has the most influence. So we have to be a church that's full of hope, a people that's full of hope. We need to become hope dealers, not dope dealers. Come on. We need to deal hope with wherever we go. And so when we talk today, I want to talk about Isaiah chapter 9. And you know, we've been, we talked last week about the virgin giving birth in Isaiah chapter 7 and how that prophecy was fulfilled. And this week we're going to bounce over two more chapters to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to continue to talk about the hopeless circumstance that Israel and Judah were in at this time. We know the little map I have up here where the nation of Israel was at one time divided into two different uh, nations. We had the nation of Judah and the nation of Israel. And when Israel um, was divided, there was a man by the name of Isaiah, from which we're reading uh, today. He was prophesying about what was going to happen up in, in the northern kingdom. So Isaiah is here, and he's prophesying what's going to take place. I think there's another picture I have, because there was an Assyrian army going to come in, and they were invading Israel. Do you like that map? Isn't that good? They were coming to take over Israel. And so the historical prophecies that we talk about during this season don't really seem to fit a joyful season, do they? It's, like, it's about your nation being invaded. It's about something terrible about to happen. But God is giving his word. How many know that our God holds the oceans in the palm of his hand? <laughs> The nations are but a drop in the bucket. He is a God of power, and who can stop him? But when he talks about he moves in power, we're waiting for him to move on power. We're waiting for him to move. God is about to move. How many know God is about to move? But we have to hold on to his prophetic words in this time and stay hopeful. We need hope in this season. We need to stir up our hope. We need to be joyful in hope. We need to be confident in hope. 
because God is about to move. And I want to talk today about Isaiah 9-6. And Isaiah is writing this prophecy as he's prophesying to this nation that's about to be invaded. He says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. I want to talk today about what you need to break off and shake off in 2023 so you can take off in 2024. Come on. How many are ready to break off some stuff and shake off some stuff from 2023 and rise up from the ashes for 2024? It's time. So the first thing I want to talk about today is we need to break off the cycle. There are some cycles that have been going on, not just in your life, but they've been going on for generation after generation after generation. How many know when you get into the Word of God, you begin to find that God really likes generations? He likes to talk about Joseph begat, you know, Sabia, and Sabia begot Judah, and Judah begot Perez, and Tamar, and all these begots and begets, and all this stuff. And you're like, God, you're really into these genealogies, aren't you? I mean, how many have been faithful to read through those genealogies? Like, okay, I'll read my Bible today. Whoa, begat, 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 begat. Okay, but can I tell you, there is some authority and power in those genealogies if you would stop and read them. The nation of Korea is saved today because one convert in Korea discovered that the creator of the universe in this book called the New Testament loved genealogies. And he said, if this is a God who loves the generations that have gone past, I'm going to follow this God. He opened up his New Testament. He began to read it, study it. He got, went out into the whole nation of Korea and saw that nation saved. Why? Because of the genealogies. Well, I want to show you, when we talk about Isaiah chapter 9, 6, for to us a child is born, there's a generation that's going to follow. There's a generation that's coming that's going to bring the kingdom of God to the planet. But Isaiah 9-2 says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. We read this again in the New Testament, but this is actually referring to that nation of Israel that has been invaded, that they have walked in darkness, but they're about to see a great light. Where does Jesus begin his ministry but in that northern kingdom? You're going to find this in the New Testament. When Jesus is going about Galilee and going about the northern kingdom, it was prophesied that there would be a great light that would come into that land. Wow. Now remember, this is 700 years before Jesus comes, and it's in the worst of times, but God said, your land is about to receive a light, and you will be a light to the Gentiles. Matthew 4.16 repeats this when we, he talks about, writes about Jesus he says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. How many know that Jesus is a light that has dawned to this generation? And we are the ones that bring this hope. Come on, say this. Hope happens here. When we look into these cycles and these generations that go from generation to generation, I want to show you something phenomenal in the book of Luke. If you could put up Luke 23 and 20, uh, verse 23 and then 26 through 38. I'm going to show you these genealogies. It begins with Jesus. And it says that Jesus himself 
being the son of Joseph, and it goes all the way back to Adam. So it takes time in your New Testament. All of you good Christians have read all this, correct? We read through all the names, and it goes all the way back to Adam, who says he was the son of God. Jesus being the son of Joseph, and it goes down. I, I mean, there's I don't, 28 generations, I believe, it goes through. But can I tell you that each name has a meaning. And when you study the meanings of the names, Jesus means Yahweh will save. How many know Jesus fulfilled his name? Yahweh is the name of the Father in the Old Testament. Jesus is the name of his son. He had come to bring the kingdom to this planet. Let's take, for instance, the name Methuselah. How many have ever heard of Methuselah? Who's the oldest man in the Bible? How old was he? 969. You little Bible scholars, you. Good job. But Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall be sent. Now, interesting, the year that Methuselah died was the year of the flood. When he dies, it will be sent. How many think Methuselah fulfilled his name? So he died in the year of the flood. How many know you've got something on your life? You will fulfill the meaning of your name. It's biblical. He was the grandfather of Noah. He had died the exact year the flood was sent. Methuselah is a prophetic picture of the Lord Jesus who through his death sent the flood of his spirit into our lives. How many know that the death of Jesus released the flood of his spirit into your life? Come on, Jesus' death released the flood of the Holy Spirit into your life. Come on. Hallelujah. Adam, let's put up the next, um, just the partial list. So I'm going to nerd out a little bit here. Can I nerd out? All right. I got the microphone. So here are the, here are the first 10 names of the genealogy of Jesus. The first one means man. It means red. It means earthly. He was created from the red clay, and then God breathed his spirit, gave Adam a kiss, breathed his life into him. Adam became a living man. You know, Adam to Noah, his name meant comfort. Are you ready for this? Put on your pew belts. Because what happens here is the message of the gospel in the meaning of the names of the first 10 people in the genealogy of Jesus. Are you ready? A man was appointed, he was mortal in sorrow, but the blessed God shall come teaching. His death shall bring the despairing comfort. It's in your bulletin. The message of the gospel, his teaching shall bring the despairing comfort. Come on, do you understand how powerful the genealogies are? For us, there's messages in the Bible that God wants to get to us so that we have hope. I have hope because the Lord even put his plan in the genealogies of the first 10 people in the genealogy of Jesus. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. Isn't he good? But if we're going to learn how to break the cycle, because when we study the scriptures, I want to tell you today there's a difference between sin and and iniquity. Sin is what we commit that separates us from God. 
When we repent, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive them. But what happens is there's this other thing called iniquities. Everybody say iniquities. Iniquities are not sins you have committed. They are sins that your previous generations have committed. Your mother, your father, your grandfather, your great... There's 40 people, 30 to 40 people in previous generations that when they sin, just like we talked earlier, when Abraham tithed, there was a blessing that was sent down to a previous generation because of his faithfulness in his giving. Because the Bible basically says that you were Levi, his, Abraham's great-grandson, was in his loins when he did that act. That's what the Bible teaches. You are not born with a clean slate. You were born with iniquities that were passed down from you up to the third and fourth generation. Come on, how many have seen some cycles going on if you were born, you know, Tarzan and Jane was your mom and dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, you see some generational stuff going on. You're like, and you go, where did that come from? There's suddenly, like, a, a person is living on fire for God, and suddenly they've fallen into something dark and, and horrible and terrible, and you're like, I did not see that one coming. That's an iniquity. That's an iniquity. Now, you and I, we could get upset about this right now. Well, what do I do about iniquities? But can I tell you that Jesus' blood not only forgives your sins, but it covers the iniquities of your forefathers. Isn't that awesome? I remember when I got that revelation, I thought, man, I thought it was good to be forgiven, but man, Lord, you'll forgive everything when I bring it before you. Lord, forgive previous generations, Lord, for you know, homosexuality, Lord, forgive our sins for, the, for anger or violence, Lord, forgive us for murder, forgive us for witchcraft, forgive us for uh, stealing from you and not giving to you the glory that you deserve. Come on, there's a lot of sin that can happen to 30 or 40 people in previous generations. How many know that to be true? Come on, I know that you were, you know, Mother Teresa, anyway. You got some rascals in your past, don't you? And if those sins are allowed to remain there, the devil will use them to bring judgment on your life. But when you take them before the Lord, this is how powerful the blood of Jesus. You'll find this in Nehemiah 9 and Daniel 9 and Ezra 9. Lord, we confess our sins and the sins of our Father. Come on, you confess. I've gone through and looked at every sin in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Every curse, and I've said, Lord, I went through that. I repented of every single thing that could possibly be on my family line. Because the buck will stop here with me. It's not continuing on to the next generation. It's not continuing on. The buck stops here with me, here, because of the blood of Jesus. That's what we do. We apply the blood of Jesus to those iniquities. Now, I'm going to show you, because when we're going to read Deuteronomy 5.9. And the Bible says, you shall not bow down to them, talking about idols, or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting, everybody say visiting, the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. 
to those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It goes both ways. But I want to tell you that this iniquities are passed down to the third and fourth generation. And I thought it was fascinating. It said that they would visit you. How many have had some visitors show up before to your house that you didn't want to have in your house? Right? We Remember what it says in the book of Genesis chapter 4, that sin is crouching at your door. We call them the crouchers. Come on, how many are having the crouchers over for dinner for Christmas? Honey, it's the crouchers. Right? They're visiting you. How did they get authority to visit you because of the sin of your forefathers up to the third and fourth generation? Come on, I got to teach you this. Because many of you have been beating yourself up because you're like, why am I stuck in this? Why can't I get free from this? Because it's iniquity. It's not your personal sin. It's an iniquity that's been passed down to you that you can break through the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to live the same way. So I would like to say that if... The reason I live, I, I live my life in a holy way is not just for me, but it's because I understand that I'm going to bless up to a thousand generations in my seed will be blessed because of my lifestyle, my commitment to Jesus. And I also understand that if I commit sin in my life, then I'm releasing iniquity onto those who should not have to suffer through that. I tell people, you know, some iniquities are pretty strong. You know, there, there's, there's people that have done very evil things in our past. And what happens is, is it's almost like they come and visit us at a certain time. There's a certain year it will come and visit. Certain time of the month that will come and visit you. Maybe depression, maybe witchcraft, maybe heaviness. I just want you to be aware of how the spiritual realm works. And then you begin to apply the blood of Jesus to those sins. And you watch God begin to set you free from those very things. A wound is outward bleeding. So when you're wounded, you bleed outwardly, but a bruise is inward bleeding. You can't see the bleeding. You may not even know you're bleeding. You say, what is that? How did that happen, right? Because it's inward bleeding. Iniquities are sins carried over from previous generations. But how many know hope happens here and now? Hope happens here and now. Isaiah continues to write, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Remember we said the transgressions are the outward wounds that we receive. You know it's sinful. You know it's, it's gushing out. You're wrapping it up. The Lord will heal you of those. But it says he was bruised for our iniquities. The iniquities are like the bruises. It's the inward bleeding that you don't even notice that we're going to break off your life today. Amen? We're going we're, we're gonna to change our spiritual address today so the Crouchers don't find you for Christmas dinner. Where did they go, honey? We, we were supposed to visit them today, but where are we going to eat dinner today? How many, want, how many want the Crouchers to lose your address? Amen? <laughs> Amen? Okay. How many know that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us? Thank you, Jesus. He broke the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Number two, we need to shake off the dust. Come on, let's just do that real quick. Shake off the dust, okay? How many know there's some things you just need to shake off? There's some things you need to break off, 
But there's some things you just need to shake off. Shake off the dust. We need to shake off the dust. When we look into the Bible, it's interesting because when God cursed the serpent, he said that dust you shall eat. How many know dust is what serpents eat? And it's a spiritual picture of what is the enemy feeding on in your life. If the enemy has something to feed on in your life, the enemy is going to be around. But if we shake off the dust, then the enemy doesn't have anything to eat. Eating the dust, it's a, it's, it's a, it's basically represents the flesh in your life. We live by the spirit, not by the flesh. Isaiah 52 says, shake yourself from the dust and arise. I'm going to say that again. Can I pastor you this morning? Shake yourself from the dust and arise. You get around some situations and you just need to go. I'm shaking that off. Spiritual cleansing, right? Something, we call them the Klingons, you know, like Star Trek fought the Klingons. Come on, how many have got around some, some situations and you felt the Klingons? But you shake them off and you arise. Shake it off and arise. Shake it off and arise. He goes, Jesus says this in Mark 6, 11, and if any place will not receive you, they shall not listen to you when you leave. Shake off the dust. Everybody say, shake off the dust <laughs> that is on your feet as a testimony against them. Too often times we carry offense because we get rejected instead of shaking it off. Because the enemy will come and feed on that dust in your life. I don't have time for that. I just learned, hey, people reject me. That's on them. And it's not this bitter thing, but I just shake off the rejection. I shake off the, the Klingons that are trying to be put on. And I move forward. You know, Christians, we are a new creation in Christ. We've got to get a vision for the good in our life. And then we have to separate the good from the bad in our life. You know, the Bible says that maturity is the ability to discern between good and evil. That's maturity. How many know we got kindergartners leading our nation right now? Come on. You have a three-year-old that can tell you that a male and female are different. But you can't have a judge on the Supreme Court tell you the difference. That's because they're foolish and they're dumb and they're idiots. Come on. They have, there's no maturity. They're immature. The Bible labels you mature, not if you know everything. But if you can tell the difference between good and evil. Guys, we, we have to, that, aren't you glad it's that simple? Because I'm not like the smartest guy in the drawer, you know? Or what's it, they say, I'm not the smartest knife in that thing that you put knives in. Exactly. What I'm trying to tell you. I need help. All right. That look at your pal. He needs help. He's not that smart sometimes. Here we go. All right. We having fun this morning? Come on. We having a good time? Come on. Come on. We, we're getting some truths this morning. And I want to give you a revelation that the Lord had given me from the book of Genesis. And if you put that up, it's about the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, uh, there's a little graph that talks about the four things. There's first, there's the creation. You are a new creation in Christ. You need to get a vision for the good that God has for you. Then you need to separate yourself from evil. Don't skip this part. And people think, well, you know, we're, we're all supposed to get along. And 
You know, we just need to be loving and connected with just everybody. And I don't, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You've got to separate yourself. Because what will come then is a blessing. And I'm going to show you this. Because for most Christians, it's really hard to separate yourself. You think that you need to evangelize everybody in the world. No, I'm going to tell you, if you follow Jesus, you are guaranteed to be rejected. And you're going to be rejected by people who you really don't want to be rejected by. It's going to be disappointing. But if they do not choose to separate themselves, you cannot continue in fellowship with them in the same manner. Now, there's, you know, family and stuff like that. There's always drama. I get it. I'm not saying we cut ourselves off, become hermits or anything like that. But what I am saying is the people that you let influence your life and influence your spiritual world, not everyone's going to walk with you. So let me show you this in Scripture because this blew my mind. Genesis 1. In the beginning, Bereshit Elohim bara. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it in English. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Vaharetz. The earth was void and for, without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. How many know that God created light? You are a new creation in God. God created you. You are something different, something unique. You are a new creation. Come on, tell your neighbor you're a new creation. Maybe pull on their ear a little bit and just, just make sure that they're paying attention there. You are a new creation. And God saw that the light was good. So you have a vision for what is good. You know, most people today, most people in leadership, they don't have a vision for good. They're deceived. But you have a vision for good. You're a new creation. You have a vision for good. And then what's it say in Genesis 1-4? And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. You have to separate good from evil in your life. You have to separate light from darkness in the things that you say. You have to be a light in the place of darkness and separate yourself from it. People won't accept you when you do that. But you're called to do that. We are people that are nowhere new creations. We have seen the light. We have a vision. Now we're going to separate ourselves from that which is evil. We're not compromising because we understand the blessing of God will fall upon us on that, at that very point. How many want the blessing of God? On their life. Because I'll show you. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The Hebrew word badal is used to describe the separation or divide. Either literally or figuratively. To make a distinction. Leviticus 10.10 says you are to distinguish between holy and common. Between the unclean and the clean. You are going to have to make some choices in your life. You have to separate yourself if you want the blessing of God on your life. I make that decision because I love God's blessing. If people don't choose to walk with me and separate themselves, then I'm not going to compromise my walk with God because I love the blessing of God. I'm like a fish out of water if I'm not blessed. Interestingly, because Hebrews 5.14 says that but solid food is for the mature. Everybody say mature. 
For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. And it's interesting because when God separates, then he blesses that day. He wants to bless you. How many know God wants to bless you? Amen. When we don't, when the kingdom of darkness is, is based on uh, not a creation, but it's a distortion of God's plan. There's a distortion, and then there's deception, and then there's a unification. How many know we have a world around us that wants to accept everything? And that's not how the kingdom of God works. And people look at us like we're Christians and like, you're just not loving. You're not loving. I had to respond to a, a quote from somebody in the gay community was, or responding that's talked about religious people being evil. And I couldn't resist. But I just said, listen, I said, stop playing. Don't play the victim here. Because I disagree with you is not, does not mean I'm hateful. I disagree. And there's Christians out here love God, love you, love the Bible. They just disagree. So don't label us as hateful to try to shut us up from speaking truth. There has to be a separation if you're going to follow God. You have to be commit yourself to sexual purity. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Period. That's, that's the decision. We've separated ourselves from deception. Now, don't you care about people and how they feel? They're dealing with generational iniquities, demonic forces. And we have to stand firm. We want to see people set free because what happens when we unify ourselves with evil, we end up in bondage. Nice people that are helping people continue in bondage. It's not okay. Everybody say it's not okay. Okay, we need to move along here. All right. You guys doing all right? Okay. All right, so... We need to break some stuff off in 2023. We need to shake some stuff off. Amen. Come on, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, guys. It's okay. Just shake it. If what I'm saying right now is bothering you, just shake it off, okay? Just shake it off. You know what I mean? Like, God will show you. Work through issues. Maybe you disagree, but it's okay. Shake some things off. Don't give the enemy anything to feed on in your life. Yeah. When you get around some situations that you know are unclean, that you know just make you feel yucky? Can I say yucky? <laughs> shake it off. I'm just going to shake that off. I don't, need to, I don't need to be thinking about this. This person is probably not in a good place at this time. I'm just going to shake it off. I'm going to shake it off. So we're called to take off in 2024. Isaiah gives promises to a land that has just been decimated, a land that has just been through some horrible times. And what's it say in Isaiah 9-6? It says, for to us, a child is born. How many know Jesus was born for you? He was born to set you free. I love what it says is that you didn't die. He didn't raise from the dead for us. He raised from the dead with us. And that's the picture we have. For unto us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called by the wonderful counselor or the mighty God or the everlasting father, the prince of peace. See, there's a picture here, and this, is, this can be translated differently based on the Hebrew. But I, love, I think it flows a lot better when you understand it's God the Father who is known as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. 
He's saying to his son, Jesus, that you are the prince of peace. You understand how that that flows in a much more discerning way of understanding this book and this scripture and this prophecy that a son will be given, a child will be given. And when you open up the New Testament, you begin to see that there is a father who is a king who is now releasing his kingdom to his son. Now, most of us haven't been, we've been raised in democracies or constitutional republics, whatever. We vote for who we want to be president. But in the ancient kingdoms, if you were the king, what your hope would be is that you would have an heir. And the heir would be a son. This is the way kingdoms work. And he would be a good son so that when, the, when you passed away, your son would carry on your kingdom for another 40, 60 years. We call this a dynasty. And so what would happen in ancient times, if a king was not able to, to have a male heir, the kingdom would be in turmoil. Because once the king died, who knows who was going to take over? There was no clear descendant who would assume the throne. You guys following me? So I wrote a book called Heaven's Dynasty because Jesus is the son who continues the reign of his father. That's why when Jesus is introduced, he's called the son of God. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. What's going to happen? The government is going to be on his shoulders. Jesus is going to take on the government. And he will be called Sar Shalom, the prince of peace. And he will carry on the kingdom of his father. Now, interestingly, there's a word called gospel. Everybody heard that? Preach the gospel. It's a Greek word called the euangelion. It's a Greek word. And it means good news. It's good news. The gospel is good news. And I found a really great definition of this word euangelion, which just means the good news. We're preaching the good news. It was actually a Greek word that talked about what would happen in a kingdom when there was a great military defeat a stunning military defeat, or there was news that the king had given birth to a male heir. That's good news. A son is... And you understand when the people in the kingdom hear that a male heir has been born to the king, they have peace. They're not worried about their future. They have hope because This godly, righteous king has a righteous, godly descendant to assume the throne after me. That is the picture that we have in the New Testament. Am I making sense this morning? That's the good news. Do you hear euangelion? It basically sounds like evangelism, doesn't it? Evangelism or euangelion. That's what we're proclaiming to people, the good news. People don't get saved by believing in God, they get saved when they acknowledge Jesus Christ is his son. You see, there's a difference. People say, well, I believe in God. You know, James chapter 2 says, even the demons believe in God. Are demons getting saved? No. No. So for you to be saved, 
It's not acknowledging that God exists. You know, that Islam is a religion that believes God exists. The Jewish people believe God exists. But true salvation does not come based on the New Testament until you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ is the king or the son that has been given to us, the child that has been born. He is the one that the government will rest on his shoulders. So let me ask you a question. When we, we study this in the Old Testament, there was a king by the name of David. Once he died, he placed, or before he died, he placed his son Solomon on the throne to carry on the throne of David. Now, if you were born in the time of Solomon, would it be okay for you to say, I don't accept you, Solomon, as king, but I do accept your dad. He was a king. Where would your head be, probably? Probably be off your shoulders, right? <laughs> if you came to that conclusion. So we have to point people that Jesus Christ is the son who was born, the child who was given to us and that the government will be upon his shoulders. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, believe the good news, to believe the gospel is that euangelion. Luke 1.32. I'm landing this plane here. You guys ready? There we go. Luke 1.32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. So do we see, we're, we're closing it up here. Let's stand together as we get ready to close. Speaking of Jesus, says he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. Does everybody catch that? Who is Jesus? The son of the most high. He is the one that's going to continue on the kingdom of his father. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And it's, he's going to be given the throne like his father David. And it says in Luke 1.33, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, fascinating, when you get to the end of Revelation, did you know the throne is a two-seater? There's a father and a son co-ruling together throughout eternity. Check it out for yourself. It's the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. Isn't that awesome? So our, in our season right now, as we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the name of Jesus, Yeshua. How many felt the presence of God when we're singing Yeshua, which is Jesus' name in Hebrew? That name has such authority and power when we declare it and when we speak it. And it says this in Isaiah 9-7. Remember, this was written 700 years prior to Christ. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let me pray for you this morning. This morning, Father, we come and we declare that the buck stops here with me. Huh. Yeah. We apply the blood of Jesus right now to the iniquities yeah. that have been committed 
by our forefathers, by up to the third and the fourth generation. We acknowledge that the blood of Jesus breaks the power of adultery, yes. murder, chaos, financial uh, issues, Lord, homosexuality, sexual immorality, Lord, anger. Lord, it's broken today. We apply the blood of Jesus to those iniquities, drunkenness, addiction. We apply the blood of Jesus, gluttony, incest, Lord, whatever is in our generational line, we break off today. We apply the blood of Jesus, bestiality, we break off in the name of Jesus. We cover iniquity with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we declare every assignment attached to our lives of the enemy. We declare right now, it is broken right now. We declare every assignment of the enemy based on those iniquities is broken in the name of Jesus. And we command that assignment broken now in Jesus' name. Broken in Jesus' name. And I declare that the buck stops here. It will not continue on in my children and my grandchildren and my great children because of the blood of Jesus Christ that his government and his peace will have no end in my generation it will continue of righteousness and godliness hallelujah come on how many want to see this iniquity crap just wiped off future generations right now Iniqu the iniquity of depression right now. We break off right now. We break off all generational iniquity of depression right now in the name of Jesus. We break it off. We cover it in the blood of Jesus. We command it to go right now. That spirit of heaviness, go right now in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 And Father, we thank you. We just Now I want you to just shake off anything that's, that could be clinging to you right now. Anything that you, maybe I've offended you today. Just shake that off, okay? It's okay. It's okay. You, you don't have to agree with everything your pastor says. Trust me. Work through it. Let God work through it. If it's offended you, say, God, I give it to him and I pray for my pastor. Just shake off anything that could, you, that could be on you this morning. We shake it off. Because how many know it's time to take off? for 2024. It's time that we break off and we shake off those things in 2023 and we move forward in this season because a son has been given, a child has been born to us and the government is upon his shoulders and the peace, he is the Prince of Peace, the Shar Shalom. Jesus, we honor you and bless you. Come on, can we just worship him this morning? Jesus, we love you. We love you. We bless you this morning. We bless you this morning, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cleansing that you've given me today, God. Thank you that I'm a hope bringer to my family, Lord. Thank you that I'm full of hope, Lord God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that flows through me, God. Thank you, Jesus, that your death brought me a flood of your spirit this morning, God. And I thank you. Just pray right now. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, in my life. Fill me up. Awaken me right now in the name of Jesus for what you have, God, in the name of Jesus. Now, there's, there's some sickness in this body right now the Lord wants to take care of. Um, and I want to just intercede for that. Um, if you're dealing with some pain in your body right now, I want you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand up. I do want to pray for Debbie as well this morning, my wife. So if we gather some people around to pray for her. 
Um, she's been battling a lot of sickness, but there's other people in the back. Please don't all come to my wife. I love her, but there's some other people that need prayer in the back. Can somebody, if your hand feels warm, or you just, if, even if your, your hand doesn't feel warm, go lay hands on somebody until, do we see every, please, let's, you're going to do this today. We're going to see breakthrough today. God, there is something angelic happening in this house today. Come on, there's something in jail. Does anyone else need prayer? Just raise your hand if you need prayer. There's someone else back there. Dale, would you go back? Dale, there's someone back there in the green. Anyone else? You don't have to be a professional prayer, okay? You just, you know, thanks, Stephanie. Come on, we're, you're going to feel the power of God break something in your life. There has been sickness on your iniquity. Iniquity has come to you through, this sickness has come through iniquity. And we're breaking its assignment off today. So let's declare this. Say, Father... In Jesus' name, we declare the blood of Jesus has covered my iniquities and any spirit of infirmity attached to this assignment, I break off in the name of Jesus. Spirit of infirmity, go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Off, off them now in Jesus' name. We command the spirit of infirmity, go. We break your power right now. You have no authority here. By the blood of Jesus, we declare the government of Jesus right now over every person right now. The government of Jesus right now over every person in this place. We declare freedom. We declare the spirit of infirmity. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Come Thank on, let's lift up a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. With Senior Pastor Thank Chris you, Lord. Monahan. Thank you, Lord. For more resources, go to www.igateway.org.